Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Millennium Pod, a Star Wars podcast by me, Ari, at ari.in.space on TikTok and at millenniumpod underscore on Twitter and Instagram. So we are back for episode two of my bi-weekly Rebels Rewatching Breakdown series. This episode, I'm going to be chatting a bit about Rebels season one, episode six through ten. So consider this your spoiler warning if you have not seen those episodes and you want to without knowing what's going to happen, which honestly I would suggest because um, as I mentioned in my my first first Rebels breakdown episode, I watched Rebels, sort of. I skipped around a lot, skipped a bunch of episodes. I just wanted to get to the main things so I'd understand what Star Wars internet was talking about. And now I'm going back, rewatching it all properly, paying attention, picking out things. Um, and so actually, I hadn't seen a single one of these five episodes, which is actually quite a shame because there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff in here. Um, so let's just dive right in. As a side note, I'm not sure if y'all can tell um, while you're listening, but I can hear it as I'm recording. My voice sounds incredibly scratchy this week. Um, There is so much wildfire smoke right now where I live. So if y'all can hear it, that's why I sound sort of like a crouchy old man. But maybe it's not coming through. I can't tell. But (laughs) that's just a quick side note. Um, So... Throughout these four episodes, or five episodes, sorry, um, episodes six through ten of season one, I think two really main things I want to talk about um, that we get out of all of them, and that uh, I think there's a little bit in each episode that we we can learn about these things specifically, is, um, first of all, we get quite a lot of Empire backstory, well, not backstory necessarily, but like world building that is in the time of the Empire, which I, for one, really, really love. It's one of the reasons why uh, I love The Bad Batch so much, even though some area there's not really a plot. <laughs> um, but the world building is is incredible, and, and we get that again here. Um, and I, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, you know, in the original trilogy, we're just told the Empire is bad, Darth Vader is bad, and that's about it. We don't really get to see a lot of what it was actually like to just live during the time of the Empire. So I am always, always, always going to be a fan of seeing stuff like that. And I'll talk a little more in depth in a moment here about that. And then the second thing that I really think we get to see quite a lot more of that I really appreciate is uh, is Kanan and Ezra's relationship and their dynamic as master and apprentice. Um, we get to see a little bit more into that throughout these these five episodes, which I also love because uh, I, I always, well, who doesn't love a good master and apprentice story? And especially for me, I am trying to be a teacher. So anything that's kind of focusing on how we, how, how, how the master is teaching the apprentice and, and that relationship they have is quite interesting to me as well. As a quick side note, talking about relationships, uh, before I get into that stuff, this is like my third point, but it's more like a half point because there wasn't much on this, but I do want to mention it. Um, I did appreciate in episode seven, 
Out of Darkness is the title. We get to see um, some more insight into Sabine's backstory and how that plays into her relationship with the ghost crew, but specifically Hera. Um, this is the episode where where uh, Hera is going to be going on a supply run to meet this mysterious fulcrum who has been giving them intel. And Sabine isn't sure if she trusts this fulcrum person. And so she basically says to Hera, I'm coming with you because I want to meet this person. They don't end up meeting him. Um, but uh, the th- idea of trust and Sabine's trust in the ghost crew in Hera and Kanan specifically is a big theme throughout this episode. Um, and she says, you know, the reason why she's not so quick to trust just blindly is because when she was at the Imperial Academy on Mandalore, she just blindly trusted the Empire and look where that got her. Uh, defecting because ultimately she realized what was going on. But the Empire, from what we can tell from her, relies a lot on secrecy. And so she doesn't necessarily appreciate all the secrets surrounding uh not surrounding, but that Hera has to keep, you know, and Hera says, you know, I'm, I'm keeping some secrets. It's not that I don't trust you, but it's that if you were to fall into the empire hands, I know you wouldn't talk, but the empire has ways of making people talk. So it's for the safety of everybody. You have to trust me. And it's, it's a whole nice thing, you know, there's some tension and then Hera and Sabine face these crazy monster things on this abandoned clone base on this random asteroid. Um, and ultimately, you know, they realize, Harris realizes, you know, Sabine, ha- it's, it's totally fair that she's stressed out and wants to feel like she's more trusted, but ultimately Sabine ends up understanding Hera's side. And it's, it's very nice, but I do think it's, it's quite an interesting commentary to the empire itself. And, you know, how ultimately, like one of my big questions that I've thought about a lot is how do kind of good people, I'll say, end up in the empire. And we see that a bit throughout Star Wars. And, and it's really just people who this is what they've been told or not told, and, and 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 that leads them to believe in the Empire, and we see that here with Sabine. I mean, obviously she got out, but she was very much fooled by them in the beginning because of what I'm going to assume is their lack of communicating their actual vision. You know, the Empire's all, oh, we're doing great. We're doing great stuff. We're doing all this great stuff. But like, what great stuff. And it, it's kind of interesting, too, because it kind of pulls into, in, in episode six, Breaking Ranks, when Ezra has infiltrated uh, the Imperial Academy on Lothal, and he's befriended a few Imperial cadets as well, and and then they realize that the Inquisitor's coming for one of them, his his good friend that he's made there named uh, J. Kel, and... Maybe it's Jai. I can't remember how it was pronounced. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but this, this other cadet who's, who's about to be taken by the Inquisitor, Ezra's telling him this and he's like, nope, the Empire's great. I mean, in the end, they do convince him to, to flee. Um, but at first there is still that, nope, the Empire's great, which I think we get. And the Empire uses this strategy of not telling people things or telling people very broad things that they want to hear. And ultimately, I think that is how we end up with what I'm saying are good people in the empire. And so I just, I really liked this little, this little part of the story, um, and this backstory to Sabine and, and also just like the, how it's impacting her relationship going forward. Um, because as I've said a hundred times, I just, I think it's so interesting. The empire was horrible, but we have these good people. So how 
And, and that's how. And then, of course, once you get out of something like that, as is the case for Sabine, of course, you're going to be wary of people who are seemingly secretive, seemingly not trusting you, seemingly not, you know, giving information. Um, and so I think that was that was some very good insight into, you know, Sabine and why she is the way she is. And, and I'm excited to see how throughout the course of, of this story, her relationship grows Um despite not always being a hundred percent trusted, not trusted, but, um, informed, I guess, or being able to be informed by, you know, Hera and Kanan, who are essentially the leaders of the ghost crew. So I, I kind of started that little, little bit there, um, saying it was like a side note, but really actually in hindsight, it wasn't, <laughs> it's, it's very much, um, part of what I should be talking about when I'm saying we're getting backsight or backsight backstory and insight into, into the empire. Because again, that is one way the empire gets people. Um, it's all propaganda, hundred percent. And one thing I noticed that was kind of interesting that I, I wrote down specifically, I was like, I have to mention this is, um, um, in episode eight, which is titled Empire Day, during Empire Day, there's a parade and the theme music in the background is the Imperial March, but this like very upbeat, joyful sounding version of it doesn't sound super ominous, except it does if you're the audience and you, and you recognize that melody, um, which I just thought was, wow, what a detail, <laughs> 12 out of 10. Carrying on with more stuff that we're kind of getting out of these episodes, um, that's, that's showing, you know, what the empire was like and what living, um, during the time of the empire is like is, of course, the inquisitor being around literally all the time. I hate that guy. I think I said it in the last breakdown episode. He's so scary. Um, I think I said this too, but I've heard rumors that he's, he's going to be maybe not him specifically, but a inquisitor might be in Kenobi. Which I would hate. I mean, I would love, but I would hate just because he's so sc- he's so scary. I cannot imagine because I know this show was obviously made so that you know it was accessible to s- kids. I cannot imagine being being a kid watching The Inquisitor. Um, he's he's really scary. I don't like him at all. But that being said, he does play a very important role in the Empire and also in the show in showing us you know the ruthlessness and unrelentingness that's not a word but whatever of the empire and and also showing us you know what life is like um for people specifically for force using people um because you know every all the time he's on Ezra and Kanan's on Ezra and Kanan's tail he's sensing them all over the place um and then additionally in in episode Episode six, Breaking Ranks, the one where Ezra, you know, is infiltrating and he, he makes a friend. I can't remember the, how to pronounce his name. It's either Jay or Jai Kel. Um, I suppose I could, I could look this up, but y'all know who I mean. Um, who is force sensitive and the Imperial officers figured out. So they call in the Inquisitor to have him take him to do who knows what. Um, and I just find it so interesting. The kind of, parallel i guess that the empire has in a way to the jedi order um now bear with me here because obviously they're not all the same however the principle of recognizing force using children and wanting to essentially use them i mean the empire is definitely using them and i would argue that the jedi order does use them i mean at least with the jedi order it's it's to my knowledge willing like 
they're willingly given up by their parents or they willingly join the order, the empire, not so much. Um, but still it's both, you know, taking people from a situation they're in, putting them in a different situation to use them for their abilities. I mean, obviously that's pretty much where the similarities end, but, uh, I do think that is interesting to note that, you know, something that the Jedi are assuming they're using for good, the Empire is ultimately going to use for bad because their goal in taking Force-sensitive kids that they find throughout the galaxy, wherever they are, it's not necessarily just within their ranks, um, is to obviously use them, turn them into more dark side users, like the Inquisitors. And then, of course, for those who have already, like Ezra said, Heck no, I'm not going with you. <laughs> There's no rest. There's no peace because that Inquisitor is after him and Caden all, all the time. Um, and I think we can assume that any other, you know, potential Jedi that are out there that have said no are, are also being hunted by Inquisitors. I mean, heck, we know that from the Ahsoka novel, she's being hunted by an Inquisitor as well. So there's really, there's no rest for for anyone when the Empire's around, especially not Force users. So now I want to switch over and talk about, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Ezra and Kanan's relationship and has uh, how it's evolving, um, as well as Ezra's relationship with the Force and becoming a Jedi and how that's evolving. Um, one thing I think is is quite, quite good is right away in episode six, uh, Ezra ends up staying an extra day in the Imperial Academy and Kanan's all like, what? And Hera's like, oh, he'll be fine. And Kanan's like, I'm not worried about Ezra. I'm worried about the plan. And it's like, okay, Kanan, I'm sure. I'm sure you're only worried about the plan. You're not worried at all about this kid that you've grown fond of. <laughs> I just, I thought that was funny. Um, Not really that relevant to what I'm saying, but I, I thought it was funny. And I mean, I guess it does show how Kanan is growing to care for Ezra. But I think specifically, we start to see a lot more inside into their relationship in episode, starting in episode eight, um, when, you know, Kanan realizes that Ezra's really bothered by all the Empire Day stuff and he's kind of trying to figure out why. Obviously, he cares about him because he's trying to figure out why. We find out it's because Empire Day reminds Ezra of how his parents were taken by the Empire. And also it happens to be his birthday, which is just a really terrible day to have your birthday on. I mean, come on, that sucks. Um, um, and then further on in, in episode nine, um, when Ezra and Kanan, uh, they end up going back to the same abandoned Clone Wars facility on the asteroid that Sabine and Hera were on in episode seven with these crazy monsters that are afraid of the sunlight. Um, and they go there to kind of lure the Inquisitor away from the rest of the ghost crew who's taking uh, this... Uh, hostage isn't the right word, but de Empire Defector, the Rodian guy who knew Ezra, Cito. Um Anyway, that part's not that relevant to what I'm talking about, so if you've seen the episode, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> But the relevant part is we see they're there, they're lured the Inquisitor away, and Kanan's like, Ezra, we need to connect with these monsters, animals, and, and, uh, use them to, to protect us, basically, because they're trying to eat us, but if we can connect to them, then we can convince them to 
to attack the bad guys instead. And Ezra's like, I can't do this. And, and Kanan says, like, is encouraging, like, you can, but you have to. And then ultimately we find out that when Ezra is honest with himself in this episode and, and is honest with all the things that have been bothering him, um, then he's able to unlock his potential to connect with the Force, to connect with these monsters, which I think is also some very interesting insight into the Force and which is once again just kind of reinforcing the idea that, you know, clouded minds, you, you can't connect to the Force when your mind is clouded. But I definitely do think that Kanan's presence there and Kanan's belief in Ezra definitely helped Ezra to clear his mind, of course, and and connect. And then we have the really interesting part where um, Kanan's in danger and Ezra gets really scared and angry, which is something we've seen in another Jedi who got really scared and angry and he taps into basically what we're told is the dark side and he lures out this giant version of these monster animal things that they're using against these people and sends it to attack the inquisitor and it's bad because the the first time when they were when they were connecting to the other animals they were connecting to them you know in a nice way in a hey can you knock out these stormtroopers but like not kill them way um but when Ezra was angry and scared for Kanan and for himself he brings up this big big like I said giant version of this animal monster thing and sends it after the Inquisitor um like fully with the intent to get him (laughs) Um, and of course that is scary um, especially to someone like Kanan, who's lived with Order 66, who likely knows at least to some extent uh, what happened with Anakin. Um, and it's also scary for us, who definitely knows what happened to Anakin, because we've seen what happens when people are afraid and angry and use the Force. It is bad. Um, but the thing I really like here is Kanan is afraid of that, but where some masters might be like, nope, you are too powerful and too open to the dark side for your own good. Kanan is like, okay, we're going to deal with this, but you have to want it, Ezra, is what kind of happens in the next episode. And I just really love that, you know, Kanan doesn't abandon Ezra just because he's scared of what he's just done, Um, which again, I think plays a lot into their relationship. And then we get to, yeah, like I said, episode 10, which is Path of the Jedi, which is just a really, really great episode for Force stuff, Jedi stuff. Um, again, we're seeing Kanan and Ezra together. Kanan's once again kind of questioning if he can teach, but not if he can teach Ezra, because Ezra's a hard student, if he can teach Ezra because he's not sure if he's a good teacher. Um which I think as somebody who does want to be a teacher, and I mentioned this last time, I think you should always be questioning if what you're doing is, is best for your students, if you're teaching them in the best way you can. So I, I love to see, I love the themes of teaching is really just just what it is. Um, and I also think that Kanan is very dedicated to Ezra because he sees Ezra in himself. He even um, says something like he's not going to let Ezra lose his way um, as he did, because Ezra's sort of like, well, maybe I should give up. 
And Kanan is like, no, I'm not going to let him lose his way from the force just because of this one, one thing that happened. We're going to work through this together. Um, and like I say, I think that's because he sees a lot of Ezra and himself, you know, after Order 66, Kanan was lost as well. And sure, he was older than Ezra because Ezra's been orphaned since he was seven. But it's sort of the same, you know, you go from having all this support, all these people to being completely on your own. And actually, if I may <laughs> recommend the book, A New Dawn, um, the author name is escaping me, but I will put it in the description. Very good book. It's backstory to uh, Kanan and Hera and how they met. A lot, a lot of backstory um, for Kanan. Most of the book is told like through his perspective. It's third person, but like through his perspective. Um, and it's really good. And so, but again, same thing. He was kind of abandoned from the life he knew completely turned his back on the force and i think he can see ezra potentially doing that and he knows how that affected him and how it was bad and how rejoining his connection to the force you know made his life better so he doesn't want to see ezra do that and again i just i think that's so nice <laughs> um and then we see what i what i really liked in this episode is ezra kind of embracing what what it means to want to be a Jedi and what he's learned because he has a lot of fear and anger, but it's to protect people. So it's for the right reasons. But when he's in the Jedi temple on the fall, which is where they go, I think he realizes that he shouldn't, he should want to protect people, but not out of fear and anger. Right. Um, and, and he even says to Yoda's disembodied voice, <laughs> I really hope if y'all are listening to this, you have actually seen these episodes because I'm doing a very poor job of explaining what is, what is happening and this will make no sense <laughs> to anyone who's just randomly listening. But he hears Yoda's disembodied voice and they're talking and, and Ezra realizes that helping people makes him feel alive and he's learned that through his time with the ghost crew. And I think um, that he's he realizes that like before he wanted to protect people because he was afraid of them getting hurt. And now he's realizing he wants to help people because it makes him feel alive and it's the right thing to do, which again is very Jedi vibes. Like this dude has doubts of whether he should be a Jedi. Kanan has dudes of doubt. Dude, Kanan has doubts of whether this dude should be a Jedi, but I do not like he is hundred percent got that, that Jedi material um inside of him. And I'm, I'm really excited because I did skip quite a bit of season one. So I'm really excited to continue to see his journey. Um, and then, of course, he gets his kyber crystal. And as a side note, I do not understand how anyone thinks that Ezra is annoying. Because I've heard so many people say that. I think he's so funny and like classic 15-year-old boy. Like this is just, it's like they went and studied a classroom of 15-year-old boys to get the exact right like what he would say <laughs> because it's it's truly perfect like i used i used to work at a summer camp and i'm telling you ezra is the epitome of a 15 year old boy like my favorite part of all of these episodes in terms of like my favorite comedic part i guess i'll say um because i do like the the themes more than this but is when he comes out with the kyber crystal he's like kanan look what i got and kanan's like oh my gosh dude like that's sick that's a kyber crystal and ezra's like oh wow what's a kyber crystal? <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. It's so good. I just, I can't understand how anyone could hate on that precious, uh, blue haired child. Cause he's truly awesome. Um, 
But the ultimate thing that I really, really liked about this episode is um, Kanan's asking Ezra, you know, how what happened? How do you feel? You know, classic mentor, master, whatever questions you ask your apprentice. And Ezra says that he is different, but the same. And how I interpret that is that he's different because he now understands what was like what was inside of him. All of his great qualities, all of his qualities that I would say make him Jedi material are all still there. None of that's changed. But now he's finally starting to understand that and it's making him different. And I think it's going to help him on his journey. So I'm really excited to see what happens next. Because, um, yeah, I, I hadn't seen these episodes. They were super fantastic. Um, and I haven't I don't remember if I've seen some of the next few, but it doesn't matter. Um, but yes, so I'm, I'm very excited because I don't remember a lot when I wa- when I did my fake watch, I'll call it, when I watched just like the main points, I don't really remember a lot of Ezra becoming a Jedi development. And so I'm excited to kind of dive into that this time. However, um, that is all I really have to say about these five episodes here. Um, so if you are still here listening after all this time, uh, thank you so much. I really, really, truly appreciate it. As always, please feel free to reach out to me on social media. Um, those will be linked in the bio in case you didn't catch it right at the beginning. And I uh, hope you're having a great day, night, morning, evening, whatever it is, wherever you are listening. And as always, may the force be with you.